Yeah. And so I think I just want to, I just feel like I want to bless you guys first and just say, you know, just the wind of heaven to blow on you and, and our spirits to be connected together as we come together here. I, I think, you know, we've all had to experience life on, on Zoom for a year now, and, and it has its drawbacks for sure. Um, but I still have been amazed to find that we truly can connect our spirits together, even virtually, and that God honors that collective spirit. I, I think the Bible talks about people in people groups all the time, that God looks at us. I always say, Jesus said, hey, Jerusalem, you who killed the prophets. Well, not every person who lived in Jerusalem had killed a prophet. But the spirit, the overarching mindset of the people group was to kill prophets. And so I think, so we have a spirit here today, a collective spirit joining our spirits together to say, God, we want to authentically pursue you. We want to know who the real God is, not, not the God that we've been taught in our churches and, and such. And so I've always been a lover of the church big C church and little C church. I started my, my own church and, you know, a little bit of my story as I grew up, my dad was not a mega church pastor, but he was a renowned pastor in the assemblies of God circles. He was kind of a muckety muck. He, he, at least he knew all the muckety mucks and they all knew his name. And um, meanwhile, he was an extremely abusive father. He treated his wife terribly and, you know, all of that story. Uh, I, I love him and we're connected today and he's a good friend. Um, he's totally disassociated with who he was as a father when me and my brothers were young and I've given him that grace. Um, that doesn't mean it didn't terrorize me and I'm still working through that process. Um, but growing up very conservative, um, and then, but, but always having something in my spirit that said, there's something not right here, or at very least I don't fit in. And a lot of ways I interpreted that I don't fit in is I must be bad because these people are really good people. Um, and so, uh, basically when I, when I went off to college, it's like, okay, I'm going to hell. Um, and so I better live a lot while I'm on earth because eternity is going to be awful. And so I just decided I'm, I'm going to be pagan and, and uh, just do whatever I damn well please uh, in my life. And boy, lived a fun college life in massive shame at all times, you know, so, so I would just try to drink enough beer so that I wouldn't feel the shame. Um, but can't, you know, after that got a job as a sportscaster and, uh, married Ashley here in Fresno and God began to, my, my spirit began to be changed. And I, I remember, and I tell the story a lot, and you guys probably heard it when I just felt like in my spirit, like stop listening to Rush Limbaugh. You've, you've got to stop listening to Rush Limbaugh. And, so I decided to take a week and not listen to, to right-wing media. And it, it changed my world. I, I was stunned at how much that 
listening to that media impacted my soul. And do you have to go, Jamie? Okay. Yeah, do whatever you need to do. Um, and so that started a journey for me and for my wife, who also grew up as a pastor's kid in a conservative home. Um, and so I, I began to change in a lot of ways in my theology, but I still had the Bible problem. You know, it's like, I know wonderful gay people, but I still know what the Bible says. The Bible is clear. I wish I had a dime for every time somebody told me the Bible is clear and then said something that the Bible is not clear on, because uh, I would be a wealthy, wealthy, wealthy man. But I still, I, I had that. And so I, I planted a church in 2008 and I wanted our church. And, and this is the, this is one of the big lies of the church right now. And is we, we love everybody and we want everybody to come, but we don't tell you, but, but some of you, you know, it's, it's animal house. All of us are equal. Some are just more equal than others. And, and uh, there's, and, and so to boil all, all this down into a couple of, of stories, uh, a really good friend of ours, a, 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 a gay man, started coming to our church and everybody loved him. And he's a, he's one of our best friends and, and a wonderful person. And we're like, yes, come to our church. We love you. And, and he, he had a great time and, and God was impacting his spirit and, and he felt accepted and loved. And then all of a sudden I noticed he had missed a few Sundays. And so I reached out to him. He's like, Oh, been busy. You know, it's always the, the answer is always, I've been busy. He, and he's like, I'll, I'll be back. And then he missed and missed and missed. Finally, I, I was able to run him down one day at an event. And he finally admitted like, yeah, one of the families in your church, I ran into them at the supermarket and they were telling me how horrified they were at the gay agenda that was trying to take over the schools in Fresno. And he, and he said, you know, Paul, my friends all told me if I kept going to your church, I'd get hurt. And I told them, no, this is Paul and Ashley's church. That won't happen. And he said, it happened. And, and he said, frankly, there were other things that were said in the church that I kind of let slide. And, and I started to realize like, that's, that's my church. That's the church that I lead. And I started and I wanted to build that would be different. And and one day I walked out into the parking lot, like Margie talked about in the parking lot, and saw a bumper sticker on one of our prominent family's pickup trucks that had all these Trump Republican stickers. And the one on the bumper really got me because, and if you've read my book, it, it's, it's one of the stories in there. They had the little fish symbol on the bumper and then a bumper sticker that said Huck Fillery. And I said, if, if somebody in my church can put that bumper sticker above their fish symbol on their tailgate, something is seriously wrong. And that really started this very deep dive into, you know, I started seeing this right wing stuff rise up. And Anyway, long, long story longer. That was just when I, I decided I, I've got to start speaking up. And that became a real problem. Me being 
not right wing enough suddenly became a big issue in our in our church. And my wife, you know, ran for statewide office here in our state, and she she told the Sacramento Bee that she was for marriage equality. And and so my staff was like, oh, you're going to have to address that in the sermon on Sunday. And they were terrified that this was going to be the end of our church. And and so I I got up and gave what now would be a sermon I'm pretty embarrassed by. I was pretty innocuous, but like, we're still going to understand what traditional marriage is, but we're going to love our gay people. And and our biggest tithing family got up and walked out of the service in the middle of the service. And my staff lost their shit. <laughs> and from there on, it was just a trial. And, and so I just started seeing like, this is a really bad spirit that we're dealing with. And it's really powerful. And so that just started me on this process of walking, walking away and now being in a place of seeing things so differently and seeing the damage that that evangelical mindset has done to people. And 2017, it got me started writing a book. And so there's the story in the book of Mark in the Bible, where it says the Pharisees came to Jesus. And, and it's, and by the way, it's always that way. It's always the Pharisees coming to Jesus. Jesus didn't go to try to convince the Pharisees to change. They were always coming to challenge him. And I've decided I don't give a damn about changing the evangelical church anymore. I think God has judged it and it's going to go away in this next generation. And, but I keep, they keep coming to me, (laughs) but and so they say, Jesus, by what authority do you do the acts you're doing? And, and every question they asked him was a question to try to marginalize him. Um, and so Jesus said, I'll tell you what, I'll answer your question if you answer this one. By what spirit did John the Baptist do his acts? And they you know, talk and they're like, oh, my gosh, if we say John did them by God, then, then the people are going to say, well, why did you hate John then? And if we say he did it by man, then they're going to, it's really going to, and so they refuse to answer his question. And he's like, well, then good. I'm not going to answer your question either. And I just saw that as a brilliance of Jesus saying, I, I'm not going to get trapped in your games and your religious nonsense. Um, and it, and it, had me stirring for a long time in this idea of if Jesus were in the flesh in Fresno, California today, what would he say to the evangelical church? And would he be friendly to them or would he be as angry as he was at the Pharisees? And so that's when this was born. Joseph comes to town, my my book. How many of you guys have had a chance to read it or listen to the audio book at all? Anybody? I hope you get a chance. And so Joseph, and so now I've kind of told my story, I would love for us to interact and just hear like if you have thoughts or questions from the book, but the book is about my belief that Romans 12 two says, don't be conformed to this age, don't be, and, and I really believe that if that was written today, and this, this is what I do, I'm always taking the Bible out of the context it was written in and trying to port it into our culture to what it would mean and what it would say if it were written today to our culture. And I believe, so Romans 12, 2 says, don't be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can know the good and perfect will of God. Um, I think if that verse were written today, it would say, don't be stuck in your bubble or echo chamber. 
break out of the mindset that you're in by having your thoughts challenged on an ongoing basis so that you can know where God is and where right is in the season. And that means just because something may have been believed by a group of people in 1970 or 1870 or 1770 doesn't mean it's where God is today. And evangelicalism has tried to find this place. This is where God is, and this is where we're going to stay in camp forever. It's like Peter saying on the Mount of Transfiguration, let's just stay here for the rest of time. And that's what the church has been trying to do is find that place. And and unity that Jesus called us for has come to mean agreement. And so if anybody disagrees with the going mindset, they are ostracized and put outside. And I believe all of that is a man-made construct of who God is. That is a worship of an idol. That's not the worship of the true God who's always going to say, okay, you got this. Now I'm going to show you a different facet of my character. I'm going to say today, eat my flesh and drink my blood. And you're going to say, holy shit, I don't ever do that. I'm going to say to Peter, eat those animals that I told you never to eat. Oh, I'm sorry, Jamie, if your kids are in the room. <laughs> okay. <laughs> sorry. And so God was challenging me with like, Paul, I want you to, I want you to fully accept everybody. And I'm like, but God, your, your Bible says, and he's like, am I sovereign or is the Bible sovereign? Do I get to lead you or does, or does the Bible usurp everything I am? And so I've done my theological work backwards sometimes of like, okay, I know in my heart that God's view of humanity is he loves everybody, no matter who they date, love, anything. And that's what I'm to come into alignment with. And then as I've worked that through, I've started to see like, hey, you know, Romans 1 is really not a chapter about homosexuality at all. Not even close. It's a, it's a chapter about aberrant temple worship. So why have we made it a theology of anti-homosexualism? And by the way, there's a list of other things in there that Paul says you shouldn't do. Oh, in 1 Corinthians 1, there's a whole list of things that Christians fully ignore while saying, look, this is a passage saying God hates gay people. Oh, and 1 Timothy 6, same thing, list of stuff. Let's ignore all of it and let's just condemn gay people. Oh, divorce. Let's make peace with divorce. Oh, my light just went out. Um, but let's condemn gay people. And, and so all of that for me is like, all right, this is a hypocritical damaging religion. And so anyway, that's kind of where the book was born out of then is like, Jesus, what would you say to us if you were here on earth today? And ultimately my goal of this message is my main character, Saul in the book, my goal of writing that person is to say, Here's somebody that wants to do right for God. I believe Saul of Tarsus, with all his heart, believed he was doing what God wanted him to do when he was killing every man, woman, and child in a Christian household. He could justify it with his scripture. But he was trapped in a religious mindset that caused him to do something that was 180 degrees in opposition to God's heart. And I believe there's a lot of people out there who have been trapped and some, if they're told, 
you don't have to be in that mindset will come out of that mindset. Some will be Nicodemus and come in the middle of the night and say, I don't want any of my friends to know I'm talking to you or watching your TikToks or watching your YouTubes, but I'm intrigued. And so that's been the process of writing the book, starting the nonpartisan evangelical podcast. And last thing I'll say, and then I see you guys, some of you have your hands raised. And so you can hit the hands raised thing if you want to jump in. As then now I've been on this journey, I've recognized how horrifying this evangelical and evangelicalism mindset is. And uh, I really do believe God has judged it and has told me to declare that judgment. So a lot of my Christian friends are like, Paul, you're really divisive. You're really mean. And I'm like, I think this is how God looks at it, guys. I'm sorry. I don't think he's looking and going, well, you guys got this right and this right and this right. Because Jesus never did that with the Pharisees. He said, the whole spirit of what you're doing is wrong and it has to go away. And that, that temple, there will not be one stone standing on another. And, and so that was Joseph in the book, just constantly saying, Saul, I see your heart is good, but what you're doing is bad and it's got to change. And so that's really what I want my message to be. So what, what are your thoughts? I think, uh, Margie, I saw your hand go up first there. You're muted there, Margie. Okay, yeah, my computer was acting funny. Um, yeah, you know, I shared with you through Messenger, Paul, what I heard Reverend Barber say. Yeah. That he felt looking at the Christian world today as the women, when they went and found the empty tomb, and they said, what have they done with my Lord? And he was quoting that to... Christianity today, what have they done with my Lord? I grew up unusually, I grew up with a Republican Methodist father and a Democrat Catholic mother and a brother and sister who are both were both gay. I'm 72. And then I got caught up in the evangelical world and got caught in that river and then had to stop. And I think my biggest fear as, as I let go of things, I was going to lose God. You know, I'm letting yeah. go, go of these ideologies. And I thought, when all this ideology and all these thoughts and all these things that have been put in my head, will God still be there? And I'm so thankful because he's still there and he still loves me and I'm still learning. And that was so important to me. And I'm finding the difference between God is here, these ideologies are over here. And he's like, I'm not in this at all. I'm uh, come over here. <laughs> I'm over here and that's over there. And I am so thankful because I thought I got, I know it's not right. I got to let it go. And I hope you're still here, Lord. <laughs> and he's yeah. still with me. I ask myself many times, <clears throat> have I become a heretic? Yeah. Um, and it's a yeah. little bit of a scary question to ask. I think it's an important question to ask. Um, but learning, for me, learning to read the Bible differently. And, and so I would, I characterize my, the way I look at the Bible like this. I think Jesus is the perfect representation of who God is. I think Jesus is more important than Paul. 
Paul has to come into alignment with Jesus, not vice versa. And I think the I think the church has put Paul as the premier voice of Christianity, while I think Jesus should be the premier voice. I and scripture where he says, I don't know if this is the Lord or not, but do this in the church. Yeah. I can't remember the exact reference to it. I went, aha. You know, and I so agree with you that it's Jesus who, who we follow right? and, and not, a, not a doctrine. And to let you know, at the end of my brother's life as a gay person, he was leading Bible study in the Methodist church and telling people about Jesus. Uh, and so, you know, to see him doing that and how can I be against him, you know, but I think that is my biggest takeaway that God is still here and he's still with me and I'm still letting go Awesome. with some of this. And my children are all in their forties and they're going through it too. And they were brought up in Christian school and they're like the same way, you know, is God still good? I don't want to lose God, <laughs> but yeah. can I let go? That's good. Boy. And, and my wife, says that all the time to me as well. Like, I don't want to lose Jesus. I, 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 I respect the journey you're on, but I don't want to lose Jesus. And so those are, those are kind of heart-wrenching conversations sometime. Mm. Yeah. I just saw an alert come up. I, I, I did hear it. Prince Philip had died. Yeah. I just, I think that's, I don't know. There's something sad about that. I just thought I would make note of that, that, that Elizabeth, Queen Elizabeth's husband passed away yesterday, yeah. I guess. It's interesting. All right, Carol, I see your hand here. You're muted. Yeah. Um, first of all, um, I, I just, when I sit here and I listen, like I listen to you, Margie, it's just so cool to be able to hear people still looking for things in the name of love. You know, you're hearing, you're saying, okay, where do I see love here? Where do I see God's presence? And, and for me also, it was this but if I let go of these things, is God going to still love me? And through this journey, I was afraid. And then I got embarrassed to hear, you know, Jesus as my best friend. And, and I have to be honest, that's what Jesus was to me and still is in sixth grade. I mean, I had experiences. And, and to me, that's what helped me and has helped me walk through my life. But as I'm opening my heart, I'm beginning to see there's so many facets of Jesus, that God is becoming bigger to me. And it's so it's becoming actually more strengthening in my faith, recognizing that Jesus isn't just a person. Jesus is bigger and in everything and everyone. And, and it's just, it's actually given me a, like a, a, a spurt of, of, of joy to say, wow, there's more to this faith than just having Jesus hang out with me next to me. You know, it, it, God's bigger than that. And it's been kind of cool. And, and I like listening every time I come together with, with you guys, it's, it's this feeling of, I'm not crazy, you know? And, and then the other thing is when I, when I read the book, I have to, Oh, it just breaks my heart that there's people, Paul, totally, literally, you wrote about people right here in Fresno. 
And that was what broke my heart is I literally could see who you were talking about. You didn't have to say names. And what a shame for somebody to read that book someday and say, oh, my God, that was me. Paul wrote about me. And it wasn't the hero in the story. And that that just, you know, it kind of just really strikes me as really hard to realize, no, these are real people. These are real people in that book. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't know Fresno other than it being hot in the summer, as Jamie rightly pointed out, just we are the, uh, um, I'm sorry, who was it? Amber lives in, in the Inland Empire, right? Is that you, Amber, that lives in Chino? No, no. Who was it? I think that's Rosie. No, no Rosie lives Lisa. in Clovis. No. Anyway, somebody somebody lived in the Inland Empire here. In, in, Lisa in Southern, lives. Oh, Lisa, Lisa, that's her. So that in Southern California, Orange County, although that's turning more purple for sure, but those are the, that's kind of the Bible Belt of Southern California. And then Central California, where we live, um, is extremely conservative, although Fresno is changing very much. Fresno voted for Hillary in 2016 and for and for Biden in 2020, but but Tulare County, which is just south of us, which is probably the biggest ag producing region in the world. Um, you know, Devin Nunes is our congressman. If you guys know who Devin Nutball Devin Nunes is, and um, and you know, they I think they went like 70 percent for uh, for Trump this in this last election in Kern County, I think was 73 percent or something. So very, very conservative. And Ashley's about to join me here. But part of our journey was seeing Fresno and wanting Fresno to be changed from its economic challenges and knowing Fresno prides itself on being this Christian city. We Many of the the patriarchs of our city have always been these Christian pastors. And for us, it was like, okay, we want to see Fresno changed and improved economically and, and, and it's, it's challenge of its poverty to be changed and, and found that the Christians in our city weren't really concerned about that. They're like, well, let's just hire, you know, we just want to elect anti-abortion leaders to office and, and then it'll be good. And in the book, I have the, the, the defense of marriage rally. And that was actually an event that happened in Fresno that just was a moment for me where, where I felt like God was saying to me, would I be on the stage with the pastor and the mayor standing against gay marriage? Or would I be with the, the, the LGBTQ group that's behind the police tape? And I, I just, that was kind of one of the big moments of my life where I felt like God was saying, you need to be over there, not on that stage. And uh, so that's kind of been our journey. But anyway, this is my wife, Ashley. Say hi to everybody, Ashley. Hi, everybody. Hey, guys, Pastor Paul here. Thanks for tuning in to this Patreon discussion with our NPE Patreon group to hear the discussion with Ashley and me live from Saturday, April 10th. Join our Patreon community at patreon.com slash NPE podcast. That's Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash NPE podcast, nonpartisan evangelical podcast, NPE podcast. One more time, patreon.com slash NPE podcast. We'll see you there.